Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiwumi. I'm going through the book of Luke in this teaching today. And I'm in Luke chapter 5. I will read like I usually do. I just read through it and pause and then give comments. And if it's a parable, wherever the Lord gives the meaning, we just draw it, we just read the meaning. And if he asked, if he didn't give the meaning, then we try to explain the meaning of the parable. Luke chapter 5, from verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and told the people out of the ship. Verse 4, then, verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now, the, according to this, the, this story, the, the way Luke reported it, this is the miracle of the multitude of fish that was given to Simon Peter on the lake before they left all and started following him. But when you look at the Gospel of John or Mark, it's described the way Simon Peter was called differently. And they are all some kind of similar for when you look at the Gospel of John, Gospel of John said it was when Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, that was one of the disciples that was following John the Baptist, when, this, when, Jesus, when John, John the Baptist pointed out Jesus Christ again the second time after the baptism, and said, this is the Lamb of God, they left John the Baptist and followed and ran after Jesus. And the Bible said, then, the, then Simon, uh, Andrew, the brother of Simon, went and brought his brother Simon and he, to introduce him to Jesus, and Jesus Christ said, that ah, Simon, that shall be called Cephas. Okay, that was when they first came to meet Jesus Christ. But that was how John reported it. But here in this look, it said about, well, that's possible that they went, went back to his fishing and so on and so forth. This is the real time when he finally left the fishing and followed Jesus Christ completely. So that is how Luke was reporting it, that he, this, this launching into the deep, which means Simon could have met Jesus, but he went back to his fishing anyway. And Jesus Christ was at that same lake and came by to this uh, episode here, eh, where he asked for someone to launch, to push a little bit away from the shore so that he could preach. And he told them, and then he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop, because he has not told them to follow him permanently. Also. Verse 5, And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Because these people are professional fishermen. They normally do their fishing in the night time. But that was according to the culture. The fishes always come to eat and play and enjoy themselves in the night. Our night, when the sun is down, 
then the fishes are awake and they go and enjoy them in the in the, under the water. But when the sun is so hot, they they go and sleep underneath the, on way down in the at the bottom of the sea or the bottom of the ocean. So that's why most of the fishermen that want to catch something, they go in the night time. That's when they really catch. So of course, we that are not fishermen have been to the some little little lakes. You find some little little fish also. But if you do so, are really professional fishermen, they only go and do it overnight. So Paisama Peter was like that. He said, "Well, we have today. We didn't catch anything. No, he didn't know why. Next day, the fish are not biting. They just couldn't get them. They were they ran away from this area or something." So, but he went for that and uh, second to said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That was verse 5. Now, verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Wow. That's a multitude of fish, not just tiny one, perhaps. Big, big fish. Was he said, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now he saw what is who is among them here. This is supernatural miracle. Verse 9. For he was astonished, and all that were with him had the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. So they all know one another. They all fish in that same lake. So James and John and their father, they are all fishermen. And then when you, that's why you look, look, look at the other way, it was reported in Mark or in John, he, 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 according to that, he said he just called them. And then he went by and saw James and John and with their father and the hired servant, just called them also and they followed him. That was how Mark perhaps reported it. But this episode here of multitude of fishes is what Luke is reported that that was when they really gave everything up and followed. Verse 10, I'm reading Luke chapter 5, verse 10. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, unto Simon, Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. I mean, that was when he was catching, calling him to follow him, not catching fishes now, but come and catch men for me. Verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, amazing, that means they just say, we're not going to be trying to sell this fish, they just leave it. And the people in the city will just come and grab fish, oh, fish, free, free fish, free fish, everybody could grab some. But they follow Jesus Christ from that time forward. Permanently as a, as a profession. But when you get to another place, it was when the Lord called them on the mountain, selected 12. That was perhaps when he told them this is commitment. They are going to be following wherever he goes, no more going back to their business or their profession their job he was going to be taking care of food when it comes to that and that was and uh, so that you can see when was when they actually left all and followed him luke said it this way that was after this fish and another place it was when they called the 12 and appoint 12 out of the disciples there are many disciples that are always coming each time they come to town they gather that's what they believe but now on the on the particular day according to other we get to this one or in another chapter in another book other matthew he went to the mountain and prayed, and then he called one by one, called, go and call this man, go and call that man, called 12 of them, and talk, must have talked to him on the mountain, commitment, following wherever he goes to preach, and they must have committed to it. So then he came down with those 12 and talked to the rest of the crowd. And that was how they became apostles.
because they forsook all and followed him. And according to Luke, this is where it started or where it first started. Verse 12 now. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who seen Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Now, why did the man say, if thou wilt? According to what I said in the other gospel, when we, the same story was reported either in Matthew or Luke or in Mark, that the man was full of leprosy, but according to the law of Moses, it looked like leprosy was the punishment from God for their sin or whatever they have done wrong specifically. And so, how will they call on God to help them when God is one that punished them according to what they were made to understand? When he heard about Jesus Christ, his healing miracle worker, his healing people, he didn't know whether whatever he has done will not allow him to be healed by this man. So he came and said, if you will, I know you have the power, if you will. So he believed that he is the Lord, only that he's not sure whether, many people still have that same doubt. Does the Lord want to heal me? He says, is this his will to heal us? It is God's will to heal us. This is what Jesus Christ demonstrated here. When the man asked him, if thou will be, you can make me clean. And he put forth his hand, verse 13, and touched him, saying, I will. That means that is the will of the Father. Be thou clean. Say, why didn't God just heal everybody? You have to ask. You have to believe. You have to call upon him because he has given us the planet Earth. We are responsible. If we call upon him to help us, he says, we answer our prayer. So that was why that man said, if thou will, thou will, can make me can he'll just show you that he will. It's not the Lord God that's putting secrets upon us. It's Satan. And the Lord is a big Satan for us. Verse 14. And he charged him to, and say immediately the leprosy departed from him when the Lord God touched him. Say, I will be thou clean. Verse 14, and he charged him to tell no man but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So he told that man to go and show himself. The priest in that generation was like the doctors. They are the ones that certify, expire leprosy. They are the ones that certify that the doctor, the man is free from leprosy. He can come to town, to the midst of the society right now. Because those who are leprosy, they keep them away from the society. So that was a contagious and they thought it was God's punishment. But now they have to show to the priest that they are cleansed and then the priest will inspect them and say, yeah, you are clean. And then they will make an offering to the, old, to the Lord according to what they mean, like a sin offering, they call it, or thanksgiving offering, whatever it is. But, but Jesus Christ said it is as a testimony unto them. Not that they need to do that for them to get their healing. Testimony that yes, the Lord has done this thing for the man, and the man can come back to the society right now. That's the testimony. Because if they still think he is a, he's still the oppressed, they will be avoiding him. If they how hard he is, come back to his house, they will not come to that house. But he has to testify that I am clean. And the, the priest has to testify that he has been clean. Then people now are setting him back into society, not avoiding him because of they think this thing is to continue. That's why Christ said it is for a testimony unto them. Christ has already healed him, but as a testimony to them, he needs to go to the priest and offer for them for the cleansing. And the offering is God's offering. You know, so he says it's his testimony. Because when they are doing the offering, because that's the what has been instituted, all the people will see that, oh, he came to the temple, he offered this thing, and everybody says, oh, now he's clean. So now they can associate with him again. Verse 15. But so much the more when there a fame abroad of him, of Jesus, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed verse 17 
And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the law was present to heal them. Now, the power of the law was always present. Let you see, sometimes it concentrates at a point. That's why at that moment, when there are people that are believing, the power of the law concentrates. Faith draws the power. As we have been, as we have believed. Verse and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus, before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. According to the, when I read this story in other Mark, the it, I pointed out that don't think of the roof like the roof in their generation where it's a gable. You look at a house, it's a gable. It's not where it's even take, get this tile out of the gable. It's a lot of uh, concrete. You can't even do that. How much more if the roof is a, well, a concrete where they say there's a pure concrete that you can't break it. But see, in that generation, perhaps it's just the tile that they can even pull the nails out. And I mean, these people are desperate. And so that was what they did. They were able to pull out the roof, they are going to fix it later, and drop the man through with ropes, according to what the other gospel said. They dropped him in his couch with a rope. And Jesus Christ, and verse 20 said, when he saw their faith, how did he lost his faith? Faith is action. He saw the action, the effort they put in just to get to him. So that's if that means they believe that if they can just get to this rabbi, their friend will be healed. So that is that faith, you can believe it in your way unless you take the action seriously. You mend business. Then you see your faith, you see your effort. That's the action he said. That's why he saw their faith, saw their effort. That, oh, they believe as long as they can get to him, they will get this miracle. So Christ, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, it's not, it's not praying like the other one, the other in Mark, he said, I see, be forgiven thee. Uh, but I see, be forgiven thee is a prayer. We can't tell whether uh, the prayer is answered unless we can see the record in heaven also. But this, the way Luke put it, he said, Thy sins are forgiven thee. That means he's saying that uh, so you are already forgiven. Well, that is exactly what he said, none other than thy sins be forgiven thee. Because if anybody can say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, nobody should cry about that and say, Why does this man blaspheme? That was why the ways the other gospel reported that I since be forgiven, you wonder why are they going to be complaining about that? It's just a prayer. But this one is not a prayer, it's declaring that his sins are forgiven thee. And then the, the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 21 began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So you can see where why they will be thinking like that. Because if you say that his sins are forgiven thee, they will say that's blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. And Christ was going to respond to their thoughts. They are just taking it in their heart. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, verse 22, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. Now, in repeating this one, they say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, he, well according to the verse 20, Thy sins are forgiven thee, is what he actually said also. So you can say, he, he, what this, this verse 20 should have said, 
Whether it's easier it to say that his sins are forgiven him or to say rise up and walk. Because now anybody can say it, that his sins are forgiven him. How do you know it was really forgiven when you cannot see the record in heaven? You see? Everybody can hear that. They say, we don't know that it's just a wasted words. When we can't see the record and say he was really forgiven in heaven also. So that's why Christ said, that's easier to say anybody can say that, but the one that you think is hard is to make the man rise up and walk. Which your own eyes, all of you that are here, we see him rise up and walk now. If I do that, then you know that I have the power to forgive his also. But this one is easier to say. You don't know whether it is forgiven or not. But this one, you'll be able to see it whether he rise up and walk also. Verse 24 says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. Then he said unto the sick of the prophet, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thy house. So that was what the Lord meant that. Anybody can say that sins have forgiven thee. You can nobody can see the record of heaven to say whether it was, it was really forgiven also. But you can see this one if the man rises up and walk. He will use to say he want to use that to prove to him that he has power to forgive sins or not. Verse 25. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Now, the Lord has given this power and authority to the church. When I say church, we believers. Say, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. That's talking, talking to we believers. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So, we have this authority also to forgive sins, to command, them, to ask for people to ask for forgiveness, and we can remit their sins, not like the some Catholicism do, where they go to the Reverend Father and ask, or, and you give them penance, you no? Know, it is by faith in the word of the living God that He has given us the authority, the body of Christ has the power to remit sins. Say, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That's why people offended the body of Christ. Not one person, the body of Christ. So that is why He gave us that authority to do that or not for His body. For we are the body of Christ, Christ is the head. We are his body. So what authority Christ has to forgive sins, it is also delegated to his body. The church, the body of Christ is the body, is the believers, born again believers everywhere. So the same authority that he has in heaven and he has on earth is delegated the authority on earth to we believers. That we can do exactly the same thing. That's why he said it in the end of the chapter that whosoever sins we remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins we retain, they are retained. Verse 27 of Luke chapter 5 is what you are reading. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all and rose up and followed him. We believe that Levi is also called Matthew. I wrote the, we believe that's the one that wrote the gospel of Matthew. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Now the Jews in that generation, especially the Pharisees, they attributed the publicans. The publicans are the people that are collecting taxes for Rome. They are working for the Roman Empire. So to the Jews in that generation, anyone working for the Roman Empire is part of the enemy. They think the Romans are ruling over them and they are waiting for the Messiah to come and deliver them from the Roman Empire. So then the Roman Empire, I hired some men to be collecting taxes. So those that are hired, they are called publicans because they are working for the Rome and they are like enemies. So they are part of the 
oppressors as well. And these people also actually cheating them by overtaxing them and pocketing some of the money. So that was why they call them sinners because of the way the business, the job they are doing for, for their enemy. So, but all of them, they don't care. They are just not worried about we call them sinners or not. They kept doing their own work and, and ruling in that sin also. But the Pharisees thought anyone that is associating with these publicans are also encouraging them to do the bad stuff. But Christ went to this man's house. To eat. That's why he was saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? They thought if you are holy, you should avoid this kind of people. Don't even talk to them. And that was what they think holiness is. Don't talk to sinners. But you see, Christ came to save sinners. So he commanded them to go and preach to sinners. Doesn't mean you do what they are doing. You have to tell them to change and bring them out of sin into the lifestyle of, of Christ. But you still have to talk to them while they are still in their sin. And they won't come to your church. You go and meet them where they are and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Verse 31. And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are old need not a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's how the Lord responded to their comment. Verse 33. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, they dine, eat, and drink. So they are always looking for faults. That's exactly what happens in this generation. When you see a mighty miracle worker doing something in the name of his congregation or his church or something. Those who claim to be self-righteous will be looking for how they can sing. It's not a, it's not unique by the power of God. Look at what they do. They are not holy. They are, not this. They are looking for false. Fault finding is another thing that the devil uses against people. Bring, bring fault finding to your mind. You better don't fall for it. See somebody that is praising that is doing signs and wonders in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God with him. He will help him out. But if you are looking for false, as like these Pharisees, then you'll be like the Pharisees. They are look, they're looking for false, they say, hey, is eating with sinners, publicans. So that means he is not as holy as, he thought, as people think he was. They are avoiding to, to follow him. Now they are also looking for false. They say, oh, look, his disciples are just eating and drinking when we fast. The apostles, we are disciples of Pharisees, we fast. The disciples of John, he taught them to fast. They are always fasting and praying. And these people are just eating. So that's another fault. They are looking for fault wherever they can use to point out that this man is not as holy as they thought he is. To make people don't go, don't follow them, don't follow him. If that is the plan of the devil. If you can make people to avoid com coming to your fellowship by accusing you of something that he could point to, then it's going to be reducing the crowd that he's trying to believe. Why do the disciples of John fast of him? and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but die, eat and drink. And he answered to that, he gave answer to that also in verse 34, and he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, when the bridegroom shall be taken away with, from them, and then shall they fast in those days. So the Lord was saying, He is the bridegroom, and he is in the house of the bride chamber, and these are the children of the Bashim Bar, they don't need to fast. He has done all the fasting, of course. Christ went 40 day fast before he started his ministry. We say, well, when he is gone, they will fast. And that is what we were doing up to now. That Christ has, is never with you. Uh, our commandment that some kinds of demons will not bow unless we are fasting and praying Christians. 
And he said that in another place, this kind of word, not power, but by prayer and fasting. And that was like a hint for those disciples that after I'm gone, you guys, we need to do some fasting. They said, but right now, they don't need to fast. Verse 36. And he spake unto, also a parable unto them. No man put a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new make it a rent. And the piece that was taken out of the new agreed not with the old. And no man put a new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway decided new, for he said the old is better. In short, the Lord was giving them a pipe to make them see that what he has brought is a new wine. You can't pass the Lord of Moses with this new wine. Neither can you mix the Lord of Moses with the New Testament. And that is what many people are still doing. They think you must follow the Lord. I mean, that's what he used in that generation. Say, okay, we accept that you, these Gentiles are coming to Christ, but they have to keep the Lord of Moses. They have to be circumcised. That's trying to mix the Lord of Moses back into Christianity. And Apostle, Apostle Paul, they came and argued this debate in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, and the Apostles agreed that, you know, the Lord didn't say they should go, go and be telling the Gentiles to circumcise. Circumcision is for the Jews. But we can tell him not to partake in all these uh, things that we think is an abomination to us as Jews. For right? anything they eat for sacrifice to idols, don't, don't participate in those meats. And don't participate in fornication, which are sin. So they try to list four things that avoid this type of thing. They don't even be eating blood because of Gentiles. They eat blood. They don't, don't eat it because that's an abomination to the Jews. But all this, we must come to the temple. We must do this, that is part of their culture. You know, that's not what we are preaching. Jesus Christ is saving us from all those. Christ has fulfilled almost 100% of all of those spirit, what they call it, religious laws of Moses. Christ fulfilled them. The lamb, the lamb they bring every, every year. Christ fulfilled that they don't need to be bringing lamb to the temple to sacrifice again. But these Jews didn't believe that because they didn't believe Jesus Christ. So they wanted to mix the law of Moses with Christianity. And that became something that Apostle Paul in his preaching first came against. And Christ was telling them right here that you can't bring the, the piece of new garment and try to patch the old with that. That's what this parable is talking about. Don't try to patch the old more of Moses with the New Testament. And don't try to mix them with the, the new wine. Don't put it in the old bottles of Lord Moses. You have to get rid of the Lord of Moses and just follow Christ. His teaching. The teaching of the apostles. Apostle Paul. That is where the Christianity stands. New Testament. Some people don't keep the commandment. The commandment is fulfilled. You know, we are changed from inside. We are no more doing those things by nature. A changed nature is what Christ called being born again. So it's not these Ten Commandments that is the law of Moses. It's much more than just the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is fulfilling. We that just, just walk in love. That's what the Bible summarizes. The new commandment I give unto you, you love one another. When you love, you won't kill. When you love, you won't commit adultery with the man's wife or with the woman's husband. When you love, you are not going to steal from your neighbor. You see, all of those laws, you see, they are fulfilling one law. Love, your, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So the Ten Commandments is fulfilled in us. Because when you are born again, you don't do all those things that the Moses wrote, that shall not, that shall not, that shall not. We don't do them because our lifestyle has been shaped from within. That those things are no more part of us. So then what is left? Loving God, Holy Ghost is enough to make us love God with all of our hearts. And ready to lay our, down, our life down for him. That is fulfilling the law. That's why we are no more, all this, we have to come to the temple. We have to visit Jerusalem. 
you have to bring a lamb. All of those are things that Christ fulfilled them and once and for all, he has sacrificed himself for mankind. Once and for all, we don't need any lamb. And you see, the Jews are still trying to institute a new temple, trying to bring an aifa, because they didn't believe all these things that we are saying about Christ. That's why they are still talking about the red aifa up to this generation. They are thinking they are going to rebuild a new temple. You think, and the, some Christians that are deluded are trying to help them. Oh, the new temple is coming. As if God is going to be going back to that temple. God is in us. Christ is in us. But God will allow them to build that temple because it is part of what, because they didn't believe the Messiah. That's why Christ said, scatter them. And they scattered them for thousands of years. Now they came back, their parents, their children that came back are still saying, no, Jesus is not their Messiah. So they wanted to rebuild a temple. And they say, we got a red aifa according to what the Leviticus said. So you mean they wanted to reinstitute this car clean a lamp in the temple? Yeah, they wanted to reinstitute it, but not for Christ, not for God. But God will allow them to reinstitute it because, according to the scripture, there will be another massacre around Jerusalem. When Malachi, when Zechariah said in chapter 14, when we massacre, that's just that they were massacred in, after 70 AD. It was massacre. They destroyed many of the people of the Jews that refused to believe Christ and scattered the rest worldwide for thousands of years. You see? And they came back, the descendant came back and said, you know, Jesus is not their Messiah. You want to rebuild another temple and bring another red eye and do the same thing that they think they were following the Lord of Moses and the Lord is just washing. Because they refuse to believe the truth, God will send them a strong delusion. That's why a world ruler Antichrist. We, fall, we let them build that temple. We even help them build. And then Corb says it's God. Antichrist. And they will accept him. Because he helped them to build the temple, they will accept him. That's why you see how Mr. Trump was trying to help them do this and say, we bring everything back to Jerusalem. Oh yeah, Trump is Cyrus. Trump is Cyrus. <laughs> and some believers are following them that are not following, believing the gospel either. Who claim to be born again believers. And they want to help them build the temple. As if God wants to come back to that temple. No, God is allowing them to do that so that the other final massacre that Zechariah chapter 14 said, see the days come when God said, I will gather all nations, that look like United Nations, against Jerusalem to battle. They see God is going to step in only after almost the whole half of the city has been destroyed. Why do you wait that long, Lord? Because they did not believe the truth. So God will allow another massacre. That's what the Bible says, Zechariah chapter 14. Say, ah, we gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. They thought, well, it's the end of the thing, of course. But they didn't know that it was part of the package that they didn't receive the Lord Jesus Christ, their Messiah. Because up to now, I was still listening to somebody on YouTube and they are arguing with the preacher and saying, you know, Jesus is not their Messiah. Jesus is, and they are blaspheming Jesus Christ. So that is why when the massacre will come again in the final war that's coming, Armageddon, say they will. They say the old United Nations of something that will come against Jerusalem, half of the city will be taken. God will place out of half of the city to be taken. The women ravage. You know, something like that's another massacre, like the war that the war happened in, uh, in uh, 70 AD when the Roman Empire overthrew them. God said he will allow them until half is taken, which means God knew those is going to keep alive. Before then, God will step down to deliver the whole rest of the people. And you see that, let me read that in Zechariah chapter, Zechariah, the gospel, the prophecy of Zechariah, chapter 14. We have preached this in many sermons, so that's why I recommend people listening to my sermon on uh, video on demand, gdeva.org. Here is a chap Zechariah chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, 
and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I, God is going to do it, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. But see what massacre will take place first before God step in. And the city shall be taken. See? It's not saying that I will defend that city right away. No. The city shall be taken. And the houses rifled. And the women ravished. That's massacre of war. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity. See, they will conquer. They already taken half of the city. Before God steps in. It's because of the same thing. Christ said the day of vengeance. It happened in 70 AD. God will not allow all of them to be taken away, the city destroyed. But this time, God is not going to let the city be completely destroyed. He will let the half of it to be taken away, captive. That's why he said, I'm just reading it. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city before then God shall come down in verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So you see that he went forth and described how God will step in. They say, why half of the city destroyed, taken captive? Because... They are still the, the fanatical Jews that are following the rabbinical laws of Moses and they are still not believing Christ is their Messiah, Jesus Christ is their Messiah. Even though God has sent to them, God said, I will send to them two witnesses in the book of Revelation chapter 11. My two witnesses, if we believe is Moses and Elijah, that will be in their midst around that time, or before that time, preaching to them this, Jesus is the Messiah, and they will refuse. They still want to kill the Haifa. They still want to do all those things that they read in the old Old book. And Moses actually said, the prophet is coming, listen to him. He's bringing the perfect. But they said, no, not this one. They didn't want this Jesus. Jesus Christ said, they hated me without a cause. All the other religions just hated that name, Jesus, because that's the name that is only in this planet. And Satan knows it, so that's why he's making all these false religions to hate him without a cause. Because Christ is the owner of this planet. And he's, he's selecting believers to come and be part of that kingdom. And we are coming in into his kingdom. From every corner, from all nations, Christ is bringing all of us to his kingdom. And you do well to believe, if you are a Jew that does not believe Jesus Christ, you better repent and open your heart. And the Lord will, many people are seeing that and they call, Oh Lord Jesus Christ, if this God, if this Jesus is true, show it to me, and the Lord is saving them. So you better believe that Jesus is the only Savior. And he will show himself to them when he came back to deliver them. That's why he left that mark of the nail prince in his hand up to now. The nail prince mark, he left it in his hand. And the, the, the wound on his side, he left it in his hand, in his feet, in his hand. So when he shall finally come down from the sky to save the half of the city that will not be destroyed, they will say, what is this mark on your hand? They say, that's the Abyssal from the sky. But they will see that nail print. You see that nail print on his hand, on his feet. They say, well, what are those wounds there? He then tell them the story of the cold cross. They will now, the people that were in that generation that we see that, we will be weeping that their fathers have deceived them, saying the Lord Jesus Christ that these Gentiles have been preaching was not the Messiah. They will be weeping for him. That's why the other prophecy said, they will, all the city, all the, all the tribe will be weeping when they realize that they have been fooled and deceived by their forefathers, that refused, the Pharisees that refused to accept Jesus the Messiah for thousands of years, scattered everywhere, and they are still following the rabbinic law of Moses. Even Moses will come down and say, and they will say, well, maybe it's not Moses. Moses and Elijah will come down and be pointing to this same Jesus. They will say, no, that's, this, these are people that have believed Jesus. They don't believe that. But until the Lord God allowed them to be destroyed again in, the, in this uh, Malachi chapter, chapter 14. So you do well to believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and he's the Savior. The Savior of the world, the Savior that can save Israel, even the nation of Israel. 
God bless you. We are now going to chapter 6 in the next broadcast. God bless you.